When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. Hey everyone, it's Julie Johnson, um, founder of Integrate and the Restorative Pulse podcast. And today I have Amanda from the Self Agency Advocate, which I love those words put together, <laughs> um, podcast. Um, Amanda is a um, yin yoga teacher. You also did the TCTSY facilitator course, right? Yeah. Program, which comes from the Trauma and Embodiment Center in mm-hmm. um Boston, that's where Bustle van der Kolk's uh, work was established and researched. I love his research went down there. Um, and then the Trauma Embodiment Center kind of came after that and was developed. So um, today we're going to be talking about self-agency, yin yoga. I love all this yin that's coming out of grief. It like makes my heart so happy. <laughs> so good. And, and, how self- and then her approach to self-agency can help maybe process grief a little bit. So, which is kind of what we've been talking about in season two is these different ways of looking at grief and processing grief and the intersection of trauma and grief. It's just been super cool to have these different people's spin on grief and how they, everyone kind of interacts with it. So, yeah. Mm, love that. Love that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, here. so excited to have you here too. So tell us a little bit more about you and um, your work your work in New Zealand and, um, and what self-agency means. Mm, Absolutely. So originally from Canada and now living in New Zealand for the last four years and doing the bulk of my work here, which has been such a treat and so, so nice. So within all of that came the self-agency Academy and then the self-agency advocate podcast, because for me, when I look at literally anything that we interact with, it all comes down to our sense of self. And when we think of self-agency, we can think of personal power. We can think of sovereignty, the power that we have over our own domain. We think about personal responsibility and accountability. So quite often what I find in yoga or healing and trauma, everything in between, quite often there can be this kind of notion of seeking external help and going for resources, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. We need that, we need community, we need external resources, absolutely. But fundamentally, we need to empower self. We need to build our own sense of agency once again, so that we can go through the process of restoring ourselves and building ourselves back up. So when I think of self-agency, I think of that fundamental step that needs to occur in any part of the journey. So that's kind of the basis of all that I do. And then yoga stems from that trauma informed yoga stems from that, even the nutrition consultations that I still do 
it all stems from that space of mm -hmm. how do we empower the person to take back their self healer? Cause it's all internal at the end of the day. It's me. Yeah. I love how you, well, one thing I know both you and I do is you, you're, you're able, you were able to look at like the trauma informed aspects thing and put it into the whole, into the collective space, mm -hmm. which I always appreciate <laughs> about people. I'm like, Oh, you just took the, that concept and you put it into like the whole collective thing. So I like that, that you're able to like connect with that. So I started looking at that stuff and I was always like, but that connects to like every other thing, <laughs> you know? So I like that you put that under the umbrella of, of self agency. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So let's talk. So, um, you do, you have a 100 hour yoga teacher training, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk and you're a yin, you teach just, what else you teach? What, what do you teach besides yin? You teach Hatha too, right? Yeah, I okay. teach both Hatha and Yin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and I are like, our trainings are like parallel. Right yeah. Parallel. <laughs> so good. I was like, you do Yin and Hatha too. So does Sally. So I, I always attract, I was like, I love when I, people come back at me with like similar things. So um, yeah, so um, talk, let's talk a little bit about how does Yin support self, this concept of self agency? Mm. That's, I think that's why I love yin so much <laughs> right. it's because of exactly that, right. because yin is that space where you, we have to be present with ourselves, where mm -hmm. if you look at a fast flowing yoga practice, it's so much easier to move through your body and to just go one breath, one movement and go and not really feel or notice what's occurring when you come to yin you are in it. You are in your body. You're in your practice. You're on your mat. And there's moments where you're confronted with exactly who you are and how you show up moment to moment. So you're met with how you handle and respond to discomfort because you can have physical discomfort, like your physical body might be uncomfortable and then how do you react to that? Are you someone who kind of fidgets and flails around and tries to change the situation? Or can you breathe in and through and find a sense of comfort within discomfort? You're met with the mental challenges. You're met with all of the racing thoughts that a lot of us have all of the time. And you're met with those spaces of, okay, well, do I become my thoughts or can I observe them? What does that look like? And it's different every single practice. Some practices are going to be easier than others. But what I think means the most within yin and self-agency is that there, I don't think there's a practice that demands more personal responsibility than yin because mm -hmm. it's up to you to find a sense of comfort. The teacher can't do it for you. And the way that I approach yin is it's not about alignment. It's about exploration and curiosity that when we take alignment out of the situation and I don't say put your left foot here well then it's up to you to actually figure out where am I going and how am I navigating this shape mm -hmm. and in that space like I've had people say oh that this is like you're not just going to tell me what to do and I'm like no because that's a power dynamic that I'm not going to play into your practice yeah. is your own and people are like oh okay yep yeah got it. And that can be really uncomfortable for some people. Some people are like, no, tell me exactly what to do. 
And that's perfect because that's how mm -hmm. they navigate and that's how they regulate themselves. And that's great. But within my approach, it's really about, okay, how are you showing up in this moment? How are you hearing the offering and then navigating it for yourself? Because when you can navigate that yoga practice on the mat, you're more likely able to navigate those challenging situations in life. Because yin for me is something that we take off of the mat and into life. So we look at the way that we react to things. We look at how we respond to certain situations and how we take ownership and responsibility. Yeah. And I think that that responsibility part, you know, I think that that's not often talked about. I think, especially from a trauma informed perspective, you know, um, that can be a little bit of a, uh, I will say activating concept Absolutely. for, <laughs> for people, you know? Um, so like, you know, I know that can mean a lot of things, to a lot of different people, a lot of different bodies like that taking responsibility. Yeah, so what does that mean? Like for you, what does that look like from like a self agency perspective? So when I think of taking responsibility in terms of the yoga practice, it's more of, I can tell you, this shape, but it's up to you to decide how far you go. It's up to you to decide what sensation you want to feel. Like if you're somebody who's deciding I'm going to go all in and I just want to feel physical sensation the whole time, that's your choice. Like that's up to you, but trust and know that you can come out at any time. And it's your responsibility to say, okay, actually this is too much physically. I need to back out. And it's up to me as a facilitator to hold that space of non-judgment and non-attachment to anyone's outcome, what they look like, how they're practicing. So when we come back to that sense of agency, it's, it can be so activating to hear, oh, this, this is my body, this is my practice. Because when we think of trauma, when we think of these things that occur, quite often your responsibility was taken away from you. Your choice was taken away from you. And when we look at it in, cause there's two different contexts that I work in. I either work in a general yoga studio where anyone can walk in and practice or the trauma informed space where it's specific people coming to that class. So even in the general classes, I'm still having that lens of trauma informed, but it's not that approach of everyone in here is here for trauma specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's still navigating that space of here's where the possibility is. Here's where you can go. Now, what do you want to do with that? And do you want to keep your eyes open? Do you want to keep them closed? Try both and see how they feel. Because when we have that offering, that can be someone's first step of reclaiming themselves, of being like, actually, you know what? I'm always told I have to close my eyes and it's really uncomfortable. It's really confronting. And now I'm actually allowed to open them. And it's like, yeah, because it's your body, it's your experience. And I think in yoga, we take choice away from people so often. Mm -hmm. And when we give choice back, that can be that, that first step of reclaiming responsibility or getting curious about what it means to take responsibility. Because sometimes mm -hmm. we do wanna to go to a yoga practice and just have someone tell us what to do. So we're like, yep. this is exactly what I need. And that's perfect, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did that this morning in a stronger class. I like connecting. Yeah. I was like, I, I just just turned it on. I was like, just tell me primary series one. Yeah, <laughs> thank. Yeah. Let's go. 
And that's so perfect because sometimes yeah. that's exactly what we need. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, no, that's true. I was like, I did the opposite of Ian this morning. <laughs> which is Ashtanga, which actually there are a lot of like in some ways. Sometimes I tend to be with the, the person, not shockingly, that tends to want to feel the most at one time. And, um, you know, and that's cool. Like, that's the cool part, you know? So, and I like that responsibility piece because I was just laughing because I like, there are some seasons me and Ashtanga like are not one of the same at all. But like, I'm in a season right now where I'm doing a lot of Ashtanga online. And, mm -hmm. um, but I'm just saying, like, I love that you talk about the sensation piece. Um, I was noting that when you were talking about that, because Addie, I think Addie said in the podcast I did with her was, you know, sometimes like, it's cool to like, be like, Hey, I'm going to go that, that pendulation, right? It's exactly. that I'm going to, I'm going to go up to that edge. And let's be honest, sometimes like, it, at least in my body, it can feel really good to like, like feel your hips like that. <laughs> okay, feel your hips in that hurt. It, like it feels that hurts so good. I'm not sure what the sensation is, but it's a very nice. It can feel like a very interesting sensation. I'll put it that way. To just yeah. to kind of feel the most of that, and then go back to something more subtle, and then go from something that you feel that's pronounced to identifying a part of the body that's absolutely that's more yeah. subtle. And I think that's such a beautiful point because again, we can look at that and see how it translates off the mat. Because if you can mm -hmm. pendulate between intensity in your physical body mm -hmm. and like that subtle, almost nothingness, well, then the next time you're met with maybe conflict or confrontation in daily life or something that's really uncomfortable, there's that reminder of like, oh, actually I have the capacity to hold space for discomfort or unease and I can stay in this a little bit longer. And I know that I hold the capacity for calm and neutral sensation in my body as well. So it, that physicalness to it also translates into mental and emotional discomfort. And we have mm -hmm. to see our capacity before we know that we can hold space for big emotions too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a whole, I think it's uh what's the, I, I'm going to mispronounce it, but it's, um, uh, something, um, is it, uh, Pancha Bhavana? I always forget the, the, um, yes. this, I, I, I wish it was like, <laughs> it's, it doesn't roll off my tongue. No. Yeah. I, Addie um, can do it. And I'm always, she can just roll it and roll off. I'm like, yeah. can you just record that? So every time I want to say it, it's, <laughs> But that one, so the, the it's, it's, if you ever do yoga nidra, um, this is what they do. It's the concept of going between extremes, like extreme from, they say extreme thoughts. I don't like those words, but like that's tr the, yeah. the tradition. So I'm not trying not to appropriate it. So, but, so the thought from traditional yoga nidra, which is different from IRAS yoga nidra, the concept is, is that you're going from, like you identify a very strong emotion you, you, feel, you identify the feeling of it if that's present and then you name the, the, the opposite whether or not you feel it you just name it and then you might explore it in the body so it's cool sometimes I've done it where we do the sensation and then the pen and then the thought pendulation and then we do both at the same time so it's just kind of a cool way you can do it I'm just saying that to just you can take yeah. it in all these different ways <laughs> absolutely absolutely there's so much in it I love it it's, that's like one of my favorite things to do. That's like one of my favorite um, exercises to do when we start talking about that, which actually is a really good segue into grief. <laughs> so, so like, 
I was telling Sally in the in the podcast that we did. I was Sally Miller, by the way, who's another great yin yoga teacher, who's in mm-hmm. one of the episodes. Um, I think hers is coming out tomorrow. Um, but that will be before this, <laughs> before like right before this. So, um, one thing I remember telling her, I was like, it's like one thing I love about yin yoga is it's like moody, and it's a little bit dark, and it doesn't spiritually bypass, which is why it, it resonates with me. <laughs> And it holds containers for a lot of, like, a lot of things that are not normally, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, that are not normally, that are that, that are hard to hold by nature, right, in, as, as humans. And that's one, thing, one of the things I love about it. And one of those things is grief, which we are talking about this season. Mm-hmm. So how do you think, I know, I feel like people identify grief in a lot of different ways, but how do you feel like working with grief and yin, how does that show up for in your teachings for you maybe in people you worked with you know how have you seen that manifest yeah grief I think is one of those ones that is such a universal experience because it comes down to the loss of something that you formed an attachment to and I think we can all relate to that on some level so whether it's Mm -hmm. this deep like and grief again is on a spectrum it can be anything for anyone so I personally could grieve the loss of a certain loved one and somebody else might grieve the loss of a job like it can be literally anything so grief walks in all of the time like mm-hmm. when you think of a yoga studio people are coming in with their whole selves and they're bringing mm-hmm. everything with them so when we look at yin I think originally yin had this really emotional attachment to it like people think oh I go to yin to cry I was like, okay, that's a really interesting place because how did we create that? Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a beauty to that because if that's where you feel you need to go with it, by all means. And I think within yin, when we think of grief, yin asks us to be in a space of non-attachment because Mm -hmm. we, we can't attach to an outcome. We can't attach to knowing how long we even have in this shape or where we're going next. Like we're at the mercy of everything external and internal at the same time Mm -hmm. grief is that grief is that reminder of non-attachment because Mm -hmm. the reason that we're feeling a sense of grief is because we were I guess not lucky enough for lack of a better term but we had an experience that we were deeply invested in or a person Mm -hmm. we were deeply invested in and there is that sense of attachment on some level And within yin, that can be not only shown and brought up of emotion stirring, because when we think of emotion being stored in the body, we store all of these memories and feelings on a cellular and fascial level. So we we know this now. This has been shown in so many different arenas. There's a lot of research behind it now. And when we move through, so say you come into a certain shape and you move your body in a certain way, If you move through a certain fascial plane, there's the potentiality for that emotion to be released, for something to be stirred and something to be brought to the surface. So if you're in a space where you're dealing with anything on an emotional level or you have grief, sadness, trauma present, there's always potential for activation. There's always potential for something to come up. So it's it's up to us as facilitators to really hold that safe space and notice, 
okay, how can I navigate this in a safe way? Because I'm not one to think that the yoga studio is maybe the best place to process these big emotions because quite often yoga teachers that I know of aren't trained in that space of holding that and helping people to navigate it. Because what happens when somebody has a triggered response in a yoga session or in a yin session, and then you're not equipped to then hold them and help them navigate that going forward. So there's this really delicate dance that needs to occur when it comes to handling big emotion, grief, trauma, anything in the yoga space or in the yin space in particular, because there's so much potential for it. So there's, again, there's responsibility on both sides of if we're gonna go in that direction, where and how am I going to navigate it? And how is it that we let people fully experience that so that it's not held in the body anymore? So grief is complex. There's no, it's not a linear process by any means. Everyone is going to experience it so vastly different. And it's, I think that's where it's up to us to not qualitate it or quantify it and say, this is a grief thing. This is how this has to go. And this is how you have to experience it. But yin by definition is the essence or the energetic expression of allowing. So mm -hmm. when we can allow and hold that space for it all to occur and to unfold, I think that's the power of yin. That's where that, I guess, healing process or regenerative process can happen is within that allowing, the not stifling and keeping it in our body anymore. Yeah, you know, and I heard someone that you bring up a good, a really good point. And I can't remember who said this, but I remember someone who was grieving. I can't remember who it was. Okay. So, but I remember someone saying to me one time, you know, grief hap can grief is what happens when we're healing from loss, right? That's what it what that's what we allow. That's actually whether you're you've been through post-traumatic grief ambiguous loss, which can also be traumatic grief, um, disenfranchised grief. The grief is the allowing and the healing part of the trauma. And I really loved that because people always ask what's the intersection. And I loved that definition of that intersection because if you're there, that's where yin is beautiful is that yin can be that container for that at least somatic process, that awareness, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and absolutely. And so when you were talking, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's so much in it. There's so much for, because yin is, it has the potential to go in so many different directions. Like you can completely surrender and allow the entire experience to wash over and embody that allowing and surrendering. Or you can go on the side of caution and say, actually, I'm not ready to feel that right now. So I'm going to stay in this aspect of my practice. And it does, it creates that, it creates those parameters for us again to acknowledge our own process and potential with our healing. Because I think that's the most important part. Like we hear so often, you must release, you must let go. And it's like, yes, and <laughs> is that what I need right now? And it's coming back again to that acknowledgement of responsibility really and saying okay what does this look like for me and what is this practice going to offer and I think that's where I get really 
I get really passionate about the words that we use in yin because so often I hear it has to be emotional. Like you have to like this whole saying of we store emotion in our hips, like that's got to go. We can't (laughs) prescribe to people and say, this is the experience like grief. I heard the other day, grief is stored in like, what did they say? Grief is stored in the kidneys. And I was like, pardon, wait, what? In, in what world, like, I haven't even heard that in like Ayurveda, Chinese medicine. Like I had never heard that correlation. So I was like, okay, it's so interesting that we just keep having to put these prescriptions on things and say, this is exactly how it goes. And it's like, no, I could literally move my arm in a certain direction and have that emotional release in that space. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it really does ask us to be authentic a- with ourselves. Sorry, I'm going back with it because I because I do some study in the meridians. I was like, wait, they said grief was in the meridians? <laughs> or sorry, it, grief was in the kidney meridian? Kidney. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. Nice. And I had never, even in meridians, like all of it, I had never heard that. And I was like, That's such an unsafe, like I'm if you want to subscribe to Chinese medicine and meridians, please. If right. it's Ayurveda, please like go. Yeah. But like, no, what? talking about yeah like don't yeah make things up what no no absolutely no I was I was just you brought up a really good point I don't think I've actually I think I've just lived in my head with this but like (laughs) so um you know it's because I do because I a lot of my my lineage of yin comes from the Sarah Sarah Powers and if this is a repeat from this might be a little bit of a repeat for some people from South Miller's conversation but from the Sarah Powers um you know lineage that's kind of um the space and one thing that I've always respected about Sarah is Sarah always and Paul Greeley Greeley I say this name right okay (laughs) that lineage of of yin teaching um because I guess how it came into the states um you know is you know I think they're very respectful of they're because they because they do or at least Sarah does I'll say Sarah Sarah's been able to keep it very um it's about curiosity and it's not prescriptive. Cause I remember looking, cause I read insight yoga and I remember being like very interested. And I remember thinking, and I was like, Ooh, she has to be really, I bet people have to be really careful about how they say that. And so like, when I hear Sally talk about it or I hear Sarah talk about it, cause they're all Meridian people and I talk about it. But one thing I, we always say is from a Chinese medicine perspective, this is the yeah. tradition. So I think that there can be, unless we nuance, right? Unless we are specific and meridians can be really empowering. It's just like from a trauma perspective, like it can be really empowering if you're, if you're into subtle body, but I think you have to be, if you hear those things from teachers, I think you have to hear the words between the words, right? Because like, whenever I hear people say it, it's usually like, you know, and we're working and we're working with the energy of the kidney meridian from a Chinese medicine perspective, blah, blah, blah. And you give... things around the Chinese medicine and I think we lose people here forget that because that's a really subtle detail (laughs) yeah and I think that's where it's really important to name it and to name the fact of that there's so many schools of thought like Mm -hmm. you can't say that it's one thing for everybody Mm -hmm. because somebody won't resonate with Chinese medicine and somebody Mm -hmm. won't resonate with Ayurveda and somebody won't resonate some people don't align with modern science so right. like, <laughs> at the end of the day it's just, 
just as the United States will show you. Yeah. We don't like science either. <laughs> Some, Some people like are like, no, it's, it's this. And you're like, okay. And still hold, like still hold whatever your belief is mm -hmm. and yeah. offer that and say, the school of thought shows us X, Y, Z. If that works for you, try it on or mm -hmm. let these words wash over you. Yeah. Hearing that we can't say that it has to be this because <laughs> I think the other thing that needs to be named is the fact that if we continue to say things like emotion is stored in the hip. So as you come in pigeon, for example, you'll probably feel an emotional release. Well, what happens to the person who feels absolutely nothing? They yeah. tell themselves like, oh, is something like, am I emotionally blocked? Am I, is something wrong with mm -hmm. me? Am I broken? Because I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not here crying in pigeon. Yeah. It's like, no, actually you're perfect. And right. your emotion might be manifested in other ways. And that's perfectly okay. And I think that acknowledgement needs to happen because I hear it so often. And I'm like, me oh, too. That's just a weird, it's a weird thing to say and to really force on people. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. You know, I, um, I just finished my, my 300 hour with my vinyasa practice. So one thing that mm -hmm. I love about what Michelle says is Michelle's always like, say why am I thinking that <laughs> why am I saying that exactly and that's and I love that chat yeah. because she like her whole 300 is like non-projected teaching which I love and um like projection free teaching which I love yeah. and one of the things she's like if you say something and you don't know where it came from ask yourself where did that come from right yeah and so with yin because going back to yin and grief because this is one thing Amanda and I have talked about a lot and Sally and Annie and really anybody in my circle of humans but like where did we ever come up with this discussion that yin couldn't be trauma-informed right like where did we ever just like <laughs> where did this ever come from that like you that like yin is like not for people that are struggling or something like, I don't know, like where did that yeah. even come from and I hear it all the time in different all contexts yep. you hear it too <laughs> all of the time. Yeah. And I think that's something that's, I think that's the damage that we've done is because we keep talking about emotion and we keep saying that this has to be this way. And like, I had people who were like, oh, Yin, that's the one that you cry in, right? I'm like, yeah. No, what? Like if you, yeah, if you want, by all means, but you can also cry in vinyasa. So do what you want. And I think that's the damage that's been done. And when I hear those words, I'm like, that is not trauma-informed. So if we're facilitating right. in that space and we're saying things like this emotion is stored here, or like we talk about this like existential experience of open your heart space and invite love in. And like, if we're talking in those affirmations and all of this very spiritual bypassing mm -hmm phrases for lack of a better term then no it's not trauma-informed but when we can come back to the choice giving and the mm -hmm. possibility offering and we can come back to a space of actual informed ways of approaching a practice then there's no there's no reason like I have seen such transformational process progress come out of a trauma-informed yin class and it looks different, like the, the holes are shorter and like there's different mm -hmm. ways that we navigate it. Right. But I've had so many people be like, 
oh, how what this is magic and I'm like yeah mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah because it's done to cater to the fact that you own your practice and mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to feel anything and I think that's that's the main difference it's almost like there's two there's two approaches to yin and we have to be really cautious of okay, which facilitator am I showing up as? And what am I offering to the people in front of me? Because there's so much potential. It's such a powerful practice. There's Mm -hmm. so much beauty in it Mm -hmm. when it's done safely. And that's the main thing with the Mm -hmm. hundred hour trainings, like the whole second week of it. That's all we talk about. We talk about mindfulness, neuroscience. We talk about trauma sensitive approaches. Like how do we make general classes more safe and informed? And I have so many students after they do the training and they teach a class and they're like, I can't believe the feedback that I'm getting from people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, because you're offering them an embodied, authentic experience. And that's what we're craving. There's no Mm -hmm. emotional prescription to it. Yeah, no, I'm right with you. And I think like, even in my own training, it was always like, I know I've told you this off offline but like off on the record you know it's all it's always been you know if someone's having you know like someone would like I've heard this I think one of my one of my teachers over the years was always like you know if you know you might feel anxiety if you get into this shape and it's been like whoa like where did where did that even come from (laughs) back to train up a little bit here you know and you know it's I think from like a a trauma sensitive lens, I think that there is a component to, of course, it has to be within the right lens. You need to, you need to be inquiry, of course, inquiry, which, you know, I talk about ad nauseum on this platform, but like, um, but there has to be an understanding, I think of, um, where was I going about thought process, inquiry, <laughs> um, anxiety, but like giving, oh, giving people, looking at people from an empowering lens and not from a, like a, I have to protect them lens. And I think that lots of times, especially yoga teachers that may not have come from a trauma sensitive lens or isn't integrated yet. There's this like, and maybe ones that aren't integrated, maybe that's what I see that have like, have gone through it, but haven't integrated the practices or the teachings yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's kind of this, I have to protect people. And I think it's coming. I think those statements are coming from a good intention, but are still harmful, you know? Yeah. So yeah. If, if you're hearing this and you're like, I do that. And you're like, that's okay. But like, also, I just want to challenge the lens. Yeah. And like, know, pe- know that you just need to facilitate the space for curiosity and um, the person's um, exploration, right? And that yeah. you don't need to protect them from having any one experience or the other, right? Like you can't protect people like that. You can't control the space like that. Exactly. And that's what I, where I think people get lost in that is trying to, to a certain degree protect people but mm-hmm. it ends up kind of becoming a little bit hyper controlling <laughs> yeah yeah because I think that savior complex comes in and it I think it's unintentional a lot of the time <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. that reminder like I'm not here to fix heal or change anyone I'm here as a vessel to facilitate this space and hold whatever comes up and create that safe container and if we can come back to that if we can remind ourselves my like t- I am responsible for mine. You are responsible for yours. And we're in this together. Like there needs to be that reminder of separate, but together. And I think that's one of the big misses that we have because 
when we prescribe these things, like if I were to say, when you come into this shape, you might feel anxiety. More often than not, that's coming from, I experienced that. And now mm-hmm. I'm telling you that this is possible. That's, that's my projection. I'm just saying, because I experienced this, you probably will. And that's so not the case. So if we can get rid of those, put them to the side. We have so many other words. We have mm-hmm. so many other things that we can speak to and discuss. If we yeah. can take the emotion, emotional words and projections out of it, that's like one of the best ways that we can make it a little bit safer in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And, um, you know, the other thing that I think, um, that's really cool that can be cool for like grief or really any space for that container, that yin container from a trauma sensitive or I get traumatic grief healing lens, <laughs> um, is also the container of presence. You know, um, it's kind of cool sometimes to also create a space for like, you know, there tends to be when we start going into trauma-informed is to not to leave people in in silence, which I totally agree with. And also you can create a space in those one minute, whatever shapes for a little bit of safe containing of being, not being quiet, but let's reframe it. It's being within our own presence is what I always say. You know, uh, holding present, you know, holding our own presence within us or whatever, paying attention to our own presence, whatever it is, you know, and I like that spin on it because it also helps make the, the sense of quiet maybe if it's activating for some it creates space for curiosity around like um within ourselves you know be able to pay attention within ourselves in these little short little increments of time and that's one yeah. thing I also like about yin is it creates that some yeah. trauma sensitive yin can kind of create those little spaces of quiet and exploration yeah because it's the titration of it it's the dosage mm-hmm. it, it's and mm-hmm. we build that capacity because if it's 30 seconds here then maybe it's 45 seconds and then maybe it's Mm -hmm. a minute and we build up our capacity to either hold silence and be with ourselves or our capacity to hold bigger emotions over time. Mm -hmm. Like titration and dosage is so important. It's just like that pendulation of, okay, Mm -hmm. how can we explore all of these potentials, but in the safest way? Yeah, no, that's something I've always loved about Ian. Um, well, super cool. So people can find you on, do you have a, do you, an, at self agents, self agency advocacy. I have to like always slow down and say my words. I, really, it's so, like, yeah. I can't, I can't say it fast. I actually have to bring my yin in. I'm like self agency advocacy when I start saying that your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you can find, you've got the website, which is the self agency academy.com. We've got Instagram and Facebook. And then we've got, yeah, we've got the self-agency advocate podcast that comes out weekly. And we talk about literally everything, (laughs) everything in between, which I love. So yeah, you can find me in a lot of different places. And then we've got our YouTube channel where you can find our yin classes and meditations and all of that. I didn't know you had a a YouTube channel. Are you, do you put like whole 60 minute classes on there? We've got right now, we've got short and sweet tasters. And then as of February, we'll have 60 to even 75 minute classes going on there. Oh, fun. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Good to know. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. All these people are on YouTube. I'm like, I need to, we have all this content on YouTube. Anyway, some other time, but that's great. I'm going to go look that up. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. So excited.
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll be, we'll be in touch soon. All right, everyone. All right. Bye. Don't get off yet. <laughs>